Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Good morning. I got people waving at me here. Look at that. I like that. Welcome to everyone. Uh, we're we got a little different format this morning. I'm going to start out with announcements and welcome uh, first of all, and we're going to shake things up a little bit today. So we welcome you. We are so glad that you are here today and to share this time of fellowship and, and worship together. Welcome. Welcome to our guests especially. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and uh, hope God is going to bless you. Let me remind everyone of the, uh, of the attendance sheets that we have on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us. If you wouldn't mind doing that, uh, we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, and we have several announcements uh, that I'd like to bring to your attention. First of all, let me say thank you to everyone who was involved with uh, serving lunch at the Salvation Army yesterday. Uh, I, and I'm not exactly sure who all was involved, but I, I heard that we served 162 people yesterday for lunch. Amazing. In 45 minutes. Man, that's amazing. That is amazing. So thank you. We were, we were able to, to help some needy people yesterday, and we're grateful for that. We have some things that are coming up. Uh, we have the Harvest Fest that will be tomorrow. And Sybil, I think, wants to make an announcement about that. We plan on setting up this afternoon right after church for the Harvest Fest tomorrow. So um, we're going to order pizza for lunch. So can I see a show of hands of about of who plans to stay so we know how much pizza to order? Chris is counting right now, so if you will hold your hands up. I think Greg would like a lots of pizza, Chris. He's got three hands up here. <laughs> got to count? Lana also needs still uh, monetary donations. She could still use some help with servers. We could still use some cupcakes and some cookies. So if you're willing to do any of that, we also need people to stay after um, Monday night to help break down. So if you can do any of that, if you will get in touch with Lana and let her know, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Everybody hear that? Mary Dunham could use some help from some of the um, older children to help run the games from 5.30 to 6. 5 to 6. I thought we were starting at 5.30. 5.30 to 
5.30 to 6.30, we will have games. So if you could um, help run one of the games, it's really fun, really easy. Get in touch with Mary Dunham um, to let her know that you can help run one of the games. Good. Thank you. I can hardly believe that uh, it's that time of year again that we're having our Harvest, harvest Fest. Uh, it, it'll be a lot of fun. It always is. We'll have a free chili supper tomorrow night and uh, lots of games and costume contests uh, for the children and, and just, uh, just a great time together. So uh, I hope everybody can be here and be a part of that and volunteer if you're able. A couple of other things that we have coming up. Uh, as you know, a week from Tuesday is Election Day. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> right, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is election day, and, uh, and and we are collaborating. Our church is collaborating with the Henderson Justice Coalition to provide rides to the polls for people that would not otherwise be able to to get out to go to the polls. So um, we could use some drivers for our vans. We're going to be providing both of our vans, our regular van, our and our uh, handicap van. Uh, to be available to take people to the polls. But we could use some drivers to do some shifts. Uh, we will be doing that from 8 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. And I'll, and I'll say we need to be there at 7 in the morning uh, to get our instructions and everything. But we'll be providing the rides from 8 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. So if you would like to participate in that, please let me know as soon as possible so we can get you to sign up. And one more announcement, a very important one. Uh, before next week, before, before next Sunday, on Saturday night, you need to fall back one hour. Time change comes one, uh, next Saturday. And so fall back one hour before you go to bed on Saturday night. Either that or you can stay up all night and do it when it officially occurs at 2 o'clock in the morning. But I always do it before I go to bed. So, uh, so fall back before you go to bed, and uh, we will see you in church on time next Sunday morning. Let us stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's share the love of God that God has given to us. Let us take our seats now. Let us take our seats. And let us prepare our hearts for worship.
The organ is on temporary. Uh, needs to be rebooted. So, my husband is at other obligations, so as any uh, partner would do, I'm backing him up. So, if you would stand, we're going to sing hymn number 359. Oh, 358. My choir is keeping me straight. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, and you may be seated. Please pray with me. Oh God of sycamore trees and pathways, you stand ready for us to gaze in your direction. As, as Jesus walked down the path to Jericho, observing Zacchaeus, Help us to remember that you are continually present to us, watching and guiding our steps. When we falter, you pick us up, you dust us off, and you place us back upon the path. When we we run in directions that are harmful to us or to others, you are still ready to rescue us and to redeem us. When we shout out our disbelief, You offer to us your love and are ready to receive us. And so today, as we have gathered, remembering all those who have gone before us, who have paved the way for our faith, help us to be aware that we stand in that same long line of witnesses to your love. Give us the courage that we desire and the strength that we need to serve you in all that we do. Remind us again that you are not looking for us to be perfect before we come to you. For you will take our rough edges and make them smooth. You will find the sparkling gem in the rough stone. And you will help us to learn how to serve and how to witness to your love. And so God, we pray today, let us place our trust and our lives in your loving care. 
For we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Turn with me to 203 is our next hymn. It is time for the children's moment. If our children will come on down. Two weeks ago. Yes. Well, going back to the, <laughs> the sermon today is Zacchaeus. But the, the 
That's what God wants of us. He doesn't just want a left arm or a right arm. He wants our whole self. And at the same time, when we give of our whole self to God, guess what? He doesn't just love a right arm or a left arm. He loves us all, our whole self. So remember, when we sing that song, God wants our whole self, and God loves our whole self. And that's my prayer point. And we'll say a little prayer. And y'all can continue with your worship, and we'll continue with ours. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for loving our whole self. <coughs> we want to give you our whole self. Help us to do just that. All right, I'll, I'll see if y'all follow directions better. Would you stand with me and sing this song? <laughs> Number him 603. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for having us here today in a place where we call your house to have us learn about you and the grace that you've guided upon us. Bless us and for what we are blessed for in our meanings, hopes, and love that we have for one another and how we can relate our passions and beliefs that we see on this earth that you gave us to be thankful for. By our times and moments we take this offering in this church for our care and need and to help those that are pleased and used for our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
If you would, read with me our Luke 19, verse 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. So when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble, and they said, He's gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, Half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I'm looking at the uh, clock up there, and either you folks are ready to get out early and beat the Methodists to the restaurants, or you're giving me permission to preach longer. I don't know. <laughs> Which is it? Permission? permission? Oh, oh, boy. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're getting pizza. <laughs> About this time last year, I was painting my deck and the fence that goes around the, the side of my yard and, and wanting to make sure that, that I didn't get paint. I'm not a great painter. I, like, I don't mind painting, but I'm not that neat. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't get any paint on the brick between my deck and, and the house. And so not wanting to get any paint on my brick, I diligently taped along the brick to create a barrier between the deck and the brick so I could paint the tape and not the, not the brick. Well, the way the timing was, I taped one day and painted the next day. But the next day when I went out onto my deck ready to tackle the job of painting it, I noticed that there was a, a good portion of the tape that, was, that I had used uh, right along the doorway uh, into my, my den there, and it was gone. The tape that I had put there the day before was just gone. Now, this baffled me. I knew that I'd put that tape down, so I was wondering what in the world could have happened to that tape. And I thought, well, maybe somebody stepped on it and got stuck on their shoe or something like that. But then I went, uh, I headed around to the garage to get some more tape to, to tape that area again. And when I did, I stepped down from the deck and I noticed that there was this big ball of tape on the sidewalk right next to my deck. Well, this baffled me further. It's like, what in the world is this ball of tape doing there? So I went to investigate, and that's when I saw it. A small snake had apparently come up through the opening between my deck and my doorway, got stuck on the tape, and the snake apparently was able to to drag the tape off of the deck, and then it fought vigorously in an effort to extricate itself from this, this sticky mass only to discover that the more it fought, 
the worse its situation became, it was hopelessly trapped in a wad of tape. Well, that poor snake reminds me of a lot of people that I have known. Somewhere along the way, they have made some serious mistake in their life. And, and then rather than calmly analyzing their situation and, and correcting their course, they reacted impulsively. And soon their lives were just like that snake's. The more they struggled, the more entangled they became, they became until eventually they were totally immobilized psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I just wonder if perhaps Zacchaeus might have been in such a state when he sought out Jesus. Here he was, a wealthy chief tax collector, a man of means and power, who was so desperate to see Jesus that he climbed up into a sycamore tree. Now, every, every child in our school knows why uh, Zacchaeus climbed up into that sycamore tree. We sang about it just a, mo- just a moment ago. He was a wee little man. He was, well, maybe not that wee, but <laughs> he was short. He was so short of stature, and he couldn't see over the crowd that had gathered to welcome Jesus into Jericho. And so he climbed up to, into the sycamore tree so he could see over their heads and get a, a peek at Jesus coming along the way. But I want you to think about this for a minute. Zacchaeus was an important figure. He was an important man. He was a government official. And it was important for him, for people like him, to keep up appearances. And yet, he's climbing into a sycamore tree, for goodness sakes. I met both of the candidates for senator of our great commonwealth over the past two weeks. Jim Gray and Rand Paul. And I discovered when I met them that neither one of them is very tall. They're both pretty, not not very tall men. And each of them, like Zacchaeus, is a man of wealth and power. But you know something? I have a hard time imagining either one of them up in a sycamore tree. I can't see them climbing up into a sycamore tree in order to catch a glimpse of a, of a religious figure. Can you see that? I, I, don't, I can't imagine it. And when you think about it, it's, it's really kind of an absurd picture. But I wonder if this absurdity indicates that Zacchaeus was, was in a desperate state of mind. We, know, we don't know exactly what was going on with him. But it seems that that he was unhappy about something in his life. There seemed to be something gnawing at his insides, something that money or position or power could never satisfy. And so maybe he was hoping that this popular teacher from Galilee could help him to untangle his life from the mess in which he was trapped. It was a long shot, but it seemed worth it to Zacchaeus to do this. Otherwise, he would would not have gone up into that sycamore tree, I don't think. But Zacchaeus could never have imagined what happened next. Because you see, as he put himself out on that limb in, in a desperate search for help, he heard someone call his name, and lo and behold, it was Jesus. 
Somehow Jesus had spotted Zacchaeus up in that tree, and he said, Zacchaeus called him by name. Don't know how he knew his name, but he called him by name. Zacchaeus, come on down from there. I'm coming home with you today. Well, Luke tells us that Zacchaeus came down immediately and received Jesus happily into his house. And I wonder if if Zacchaeus somehow intuitively understood that Jesus was a man who could set him free. Somehow he knew that this was exactly what he had been looking for. And indeed, the effect of Christ's presence in Zacchaeus' life was so profound that with an overwhelming sense of, of, of love, he stood up after the meal and said to Jesus, Look, look, Lord, I'm going to give half of all of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them back four times. And Jesus' response to that was, today salvation has come to this house. Now I want you to notice, first of all, that Jesus seemed just as eager to see Zacchaeus as Zacchaeus was to see Jesus. Even though Zacchaeus climbed up onto that up into that sycamore tree, it was Jesus who called out to Zacchaeus, not the other way around. And you know, that says two things to me. In the first place, it it, it speaks of, I think, of of Jesus' purpose for coming into the world. Because as, as we saw at the end of the reading just a moment ago, Jesus said that the Son of Man comes to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man comes to seek and to, and to save the lost. And that was Jesus' purpose for being here. So folks, if you're feeling lost this morning, if your life is in a tangled mess, if you feel immobilized by doubt or fear or guilt or anything else, then guess what? Jesus is looking for you. Now you may have come here looking for, for Jesus today, but even more surely I want you to know that Jesus is looking for you. Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus just as diligently as Zacchaeus was looking for for Jesus. And that says something about why Jesus came to this earth. He came to seek and to save the lost. But I think it also says something about Zacchaeus' potential. Have you ever thought about what a difference you could make for the kingdom of God if Christ could somehow make the same kind of change in your life that he made in Zacchaeus' life? Let me tell you something. God looks upon each each and every one of us, and God sees within your life and my life an awesome potential that we're probably not even aware of. And it's always inspiring when we hear of someone who sees potential in someone else that nobody else can see. I'm sure that many of you, most of you probably have seen that delightful musical, My Fair Lady. Y'all seen that, I'm sure. Uh, It's about a, a brilliant professor, Henry Higgins, who transforms a humble flower girl, Eliza Doolittle, into an elegant English lady. Well, in the midst of her transformation, Eliza falls in love with Henry Higgins, but he, he, he treats her only with disdain. 
And then towards the end of the movie, she expresses her complaint to a mutual friend, Colonel Pickering, when she says this. She said, you see, really and truly, apart from the things that anyone can pick up, things like dressing in the right fashions and the proper way of speaking and so on, the difference between a lady and a flower girl is not in how she behaves, but in how she is treated. I shall always be a flower girl to, Miss, to, to Professor Higgins because he always treats me as a flower girl and always will. But I know that I can be a lady to you, she said to Colonel, Colonel Pickering, because you always treat me as a lady and always will. You know, it is both interesting and encouraging and challenging to notice how Jesus treated people. And it didn't, didn't matter if it was a woman of the streets or a tax collector on a limb. He saw something that nobody else could see. He saw potential. He could see a life that could be changed. He could see a vessel of the kingdom of God. And that's the first thing that we need to see today. Jesus was just as eager to see Zacchaeus as Zacchaeus was to see Jesus because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Here's the second thing we need to see. Zacchaeus was changed that day not only by what Jesus saw in him, but also by what he saw in Jesus. And I think there are two words that can characterize what Zacchaeus saw in Jesus that day. And those words are hope and holiness. Jesus represented hope to Zacchaeus. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been up in that tree, I promise you. Otherwise, he would not have been seeking Jesus out so eagerly. Jesus represented hope to him. He knew in some way that this was more than just another religious leader. Here was a man who was the answer to all of his problems. There's a story about an ancient Persian king who injured his ankle one day. And, but unfortunately, none of his court physicians knew how to treat him, how to help him. Nothing they did seemed to help. And so then a member of his court told him about a slave who was said to have great insight into matters of the body. And so the king sent for the slave who was brought before him, weighted down with with chains and dressed in rags. And the slave in, indeed was able to help the king with his problem. He, the pain ceased and the ankle was healed. And, and the king was elated over this. In fact, he was so grateful that he sent the slave a gift. A new set of golden chains. Well, isn't that special? <laughs> The slave was greatly enriched, but guess what? He was still a slave. He was still a slave. And you know, some people shy away from religion because they are afraid they might be trading one set of chains for another. And I'll be honest with you, religion can do that. But not a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because my friends, I want to tell you something. Get this very clear today. Jesus sets us free. 
Jesus is not here to put shackles on us. Jesus is not here to judge us on, on the things that we do or we don't do. Jesus is here to set us free. And so Zacchaeus saw in Christ hope. But he also saw in Christ holiness. Let's think about this a minute. Why do you think Zacchaeus offered to give half of his wealth to the poor? Why do you think he offered to make restitution four times to anyone that he had defrauded? Do you think it could have been that he saw in Jesus such love and such purity and such honor that he was suddenly very aware of his own dirtiness? William Barclay once told of an event that occurred while riding a train from Glasgow to London. While riding across the Yorkshire, Yorkshire moors, he saw a lovely little white cottage off, sitting off, off of the railway there. And it was shining brightly. It was beautiful, painted beautifully and very white and shining brightly in the afternoon sun. And, and it looked so clean and so white and And then a few days later, he was making the return trip home along that same route. But a beautiful snow had fallen in the meantime. And soon the cottage came into view. But in contrast to that snow, that clean, beautiful white cottage now looked drab and dirty, almost gray in comparison to the whiteness of the newly fallen snow. That may have been how Zacchaeus regarded his own life in the presence of Jesus. Not because it was required of him, but as a natural response to the change that had taken place in his life. And he wanted to resolve that contrast that he saw between Christ's life and and his life. And thus he sought to make restitution for his sins. And that's important for us as well. You see, a lot of us want to be half converted. You ever thought about it? We want to be half converted. We want, we want to see Christ as hope, but not as holiness. We want to be set free from our guilt without really changing. And you know what the result of that is? We will still wear the chains of slavery. And we are still wrapped up in our tangled prison of tape, just like that snake. And that won't do. So, we see now what Jesus saw in Zacchaeus, potential. We see see what Zacchaeus saw in Jesus, hope and holiness. But the third thing today that we want to wonder about is what did the crowd see? That crowd of people who had gathered mostly out of curiosity to see this popular religious figure who had come to their town, what did they see that day? Two things. First of all, they saw Jesus go home with a sinner. Hmm. And that was scandalous. 
They couldn't believe what they were seeing. They couldn't believe that this holy man like Jesus would do such a thing. This was unheard of. No self-respecting religious teacher would be caught dead fraternizing with a sinner like Zacchaeus. And so Luke tells us that they murmured amongst themselves against him. Have you ever noticed that nominally religious people often murmur among themselves? You know, God save us from people who were converted just enough to murmur. Mark Twain was famous as a humorist, but he was also bitterly cynical about religion. And he said on one occasion that if Christ were here now, there is one thing that he would never be, a Christian. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, Twain was confusing uh, deeply committed followers of Christ with the the half-converted. You know, that makes a tremendous difference. So the crowd saw Jesus go home to eat with a sinner, and they murmured. But listen to this. They also saw Zacchaeus emerge from this encounter as a new person. And that's the most important thing. I believe it was Corey Ten Boom who said that when light is turned on in a dark room, it's obvious. If a corpse were to rise from its coffin and live again... There would be no need to hang a sign about the neck to tell the world that there had been a change. When the doors of the penitentiary swing open and a prisoner walks into freedom, it is immediately apparent. And so it is when a man or a woman genuinely encounters Jesus Christ. It certainly was apparent to Zacchaeus' neighbors that something extraordinary happened to him that day. One of the most popular uh, weekly programs in the early days of television was the, that, that old show, Father Knows Best. Some of you remember that? If you do, you're, you're showing your age. It was a long, long time ago. <coughs> One of the stars of that show was little uh, Lauren Chapin, who played 11-year-old Kathy Anderson. And those of you who are familiar with the program uh, may remember little Kathy and all of her innocence and charm. But unfortunately, Lauren Chapin's real life was nothing like Kathy Anderson's. We are told, told that Lauren's mother drank heavily. And when Father Knows Best, when the series ended... Lauren couldn't get another job in television and and so alienated from her mother and also alienated from the world of make-believe that had given substance to her life. She began running wild. She turned to drugs, casual sex, fast company. The next several years of her life were filled with eight miscarriages, welfare, a mental hospital, and numerous times in and out of jail. But then at the age of 38, Lauren Chapin encountered Jesus Christ. And in the midst of her wildness, the Prince of Peace came to her and moved her from chaos to peace. He carefully, bit by bit, 
extricated her from the mess of entanglement that was her life. And she said that that when she accepted Jesus, it suddenly occurred to her that she was an individual worthy in her own right who no longer had to live up to the impossible example of Kathy Anderson. All of my life I wanted to be loved, she said. And God's love is the most complete love. And that is what I was looking for. And that, my friends, is why the Son of Man came into the world. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to free us from the hopeless, hopelessly entangled lives that we may have. You see, Jesus sees within each of us a tremendous potential, more potential than we can see in ourselves. And in Him, we see both hope and holiness. And that's why in any encounter that we have with Jesus Christ, the believer will seek to correct the problems in his or her life, not out of duty, but out of joy, out of a determination to solve the difference between Christ's life and ours. So it's no wonder that Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus so joyfully into his home that day. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you, if you believe that such a change could be made in your life? A snake wrapped up in a wad of tape. Is that a metaphor for your life today? Isn't it time that you found the clarity that Lauren Chapin found by giving your life to Jesus? It's time to let Jesus, Jesus fulfill His purpose in you. So turn your life over to the One who sees limitless p- potential in you. Let Jesus untangle the mess that is your life and set you free. Amen. We're going to sing today. Um, our closing hymn. I think one that is very appropriate for this day is it follows the theme of Christ setting us free. And it is the song, I Surrender All. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever uh, love and trust Him in His presence daily live. And that's the prayer that we have for each of us, for each of all each person here today that we will give our lives to Jesus. That we will stop trying to fight against the tape that wrapped us up. Stop trying to fight against whatever it is that has our lives in such a tangled mess. But to give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and allow the Lord Jesus Christ to set you free. That you may be the person that God has given, has uh, desires for you to be. And that you may fulfill the potential that God sees in you. Let us sing together. As a prayer, I surrender all.
Patiently trust in God's promised future. Live by God's teachings. And let your love for one another increase. And may God give you grace and peace. May Christ Jesus make you worthy of His call. And may the Holy Spirit fulfill in you every good work of faith. We go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah.